Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor? Or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Hi, this is Australia's hour of investing power, streaming to you live in lockdown from Melbourne town, which we learned yesterday is going to go on for a little bit more time yet. Well, look, the plan's tough and uh, obviously we're planning for the worst case scenario, but it's important to remember that it's not just dates we're looking at, there are targets, which means we could get there quicker if we put some effort into it. So for heaven's sake, people, keep your distance, wash your hands, don't rub up against strangers, lift all fines five times, and stop doing blowfishes on bus windows, and who knows, the targets may be met even a little earlier, which means we could even get out of this sooner than you think. Heavens above, I'm excited. Whew. Thanks everyone for helping me with that group therapy, and now I need to make you just as excited as me. And how do I do that? Well, you get to send us questions live on Spotty, that's right, you know how to do it. You can text us. Uh, Dex is waiting for your text uh, message, 0480-079089, or you can email us, question at spotty.com.au, and of course you will see these details appear at the bottom of the screen throughout the show. So let's bring in today's Chief Spotters, starting with a man who told us about Point Terror and IntelliHR. How could you not feel like doing a Mexican wave when you hear his name on screen? It's Simon Bond from Morgan's Financial. G'day, Simon. How are you doing? Simon, have we got you? Uh, yes. Can you hear yes. me okay? Excellent. Got you loud and clear now. Brilliant. Okay. Well, gee. I was just as well because I'm going to stress there because everyone's been uh, waiting for your stocks to watch in a little bit of time. Oh, no, I was going to have some angry punters there, not because of the lockdown. Uh, Simon, for those that may just be waking up from a deep slumber because the market's been going great, if you haven't been invested in the banks and have decided to engage with their portfolios and don't know who you are and who Morgan's Financial are, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you help clients every single day? Oh, well, I'm one of those uh, <clears throat> those older style gentlemen who's been in industry for longer than, uh, gosh, longer than uh, most people who probably watch this show have been alive. So, <laughs> uh, gosh, I started in this industry uh, as a chalky in 1976. So that's it's probably longer than uh, than you've been alive, Elio. Anyway, no, that was but, the um, year I was born. Great year, great vintage. They tell me. Well, there you go. So. Uh, so that was during my school holidays. So that gave me a taste of, uh, of the markets and I've been doing it full time since 19, 1986. Uh, so I've been through the crash, the GFC, uh, all sorts of uh, market mayhem. Uh, and we try and spend a lot of our time saving people from themselves, but we've seen, uh, we've seen a, lot of, a lot of things and we try to, uh, to hold people's hands through these situations and, uh, and and certainly COVID's been uh, 
uh, especially in Victoria, has been more than most people can handle. So it's good to be in this sort of forum where we can uh, at least try and entertain people with some opportunities to look at whilst, uh, whilst keep trying to keep them sane as well. I mean, why would you want to be outside anyway, Simon? Have you ever tried looking at your online uh, trading screen with the sun glaring on it? It's impossible to see. You're going to be indoors anyway, folks, so you might as well just lap it up and enjoy it. So thanks very much for uh, jumping on today, Simon. Now, uh, that's from one battle axe. Over to this, our second guest who's very good looking, much younger, uh, and you can't help but smile when you have him on screen. He uh, fills us all with some calm when he talks charts especially when they head northeast. It's Braddon Gardner from Trade Direct 365. G'day, Braddon. How are you doing? Good, mate. Good, especially after that intro. Makes oh, me feel man. so much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're in about today. We're about feel good and uh, markets up today. So life is great. But more importantly, tell us a bit about yourself because you are you are one of our more uh, uh, recent uh, additions to our spotty team. So tell us a little bit uh, about who you are. Tell us about Trade Direct 365, the platform that's being built there, and, and the style of investing you like to engage in, just so people know what sort of flavor to send uh, their questions through for. No worries. So I'll start with a bit of my history. I've been around for a, not quite as long, but uh, a little while myself. I started in the industry. I followed my father and then my um, brother in as well around 2001. Um, so that was in, um, I was a broker back then, and it was probably about uh, 2000. 10, 11, I think, I left and started trading my own funds. So I learned from a guy, I was introduced to a guy there called Davin Clark, who was a pro trader. So he was mentoring me through the early stages uh, when I was learning around that time. And uh, later on, I started working with him into what we do now into Trade Direct 365 and Trade Setup, which is an on online alert service. So essentially, what I'm looking for from a chart, it's all chart background, um, chart based. I'm looking for supply demand changes. You're looking for increase in supply and bits and pieces, and especially momentum. That's a key thing for me. So um, together with the two things that we do with um, the trading platform, the, the key message there is to a low cost global trading platform uh, with fixed spreads, which I think as a trader, um, coming from a pro trading background, it's very important to keep your costs down, especially when the volatility increases and everyone starts yeah. to widen their spreads. We've got fixed spreads, so you, you know, don't need to worry there. Uh, if you look online, we've got a, an offer up to two and a half grand for a rebate offer for when you start up a new account. So it's worth looking okay. into that. So um, yeah, with the trade setup, it's just an alert service. And that's the other side of it, trying to help everyone out, give back to, I guess, to the community. And we've got a uh, Discord channel, which we trade intraday. So it's worthwhile jumping onto our website, tradesetup.com.au and looking into that. We just started that up. So that's just me jumping online around 11 o'clock, live trading, doing some bits and pieces, answering mm -hmm. questions, trying to help out with the education side of things. So yeah, that's pretty much what I do do at the moment. So COVID doesn't bother me. I'm stuck inside anyway and, and enjoying it too. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well, there's always something to trade no matter where you are in the world. And the Trade Direct exactly. website again, could you just uh, tell us that? It's, yep, www.tradedirect365.com.au. And remember to uh, go have a look at their website to uh, uh, alleviate yourself of the uh, not wonderful rebate that they've got there available to all uh, spotty viewers as well. We'll uh, say that website again towards the end of the program. So we're locked and loaded, folks. All we need are your questions right now. So send them right in and uh, we'll answer them over the coming hour. And you should see those details at the bottom of the screen right now. Before we get started, though, just a bit of uh, formalities and that I need to remind everyone that the information in today's show is of a general nature only. None of it takes into account your personal objectives, situations or needs, and therefore, should you require 
um, any uh, information and you want that on a personal level, then you still need to seek out an advisor who's licensed to do so. Uh, past performance is no indicator of future performance, of course, folks. Uh, always uh, keen and important to remember that. Um, and yes, you know, at the end of the day, we're all controls. We all control our own destiny, and therefore we should act that way. And when it comes to money management, always take your own personal interest into account as a key priority. And remember, uh, some of our guests uh, may have stocks that they talk about. They may disclose it on the show. Sometimes they may not give if I uh, give them the hurry up. So uh, do uh, uh, ask them if you wish to learn uh, whether they um, do hold an interest or not. And for the next hour, Spotty, of course, is uh, proud as always to be powered by our sponsor, Sharewell Systems. Since 1995, Sharewell Systems have helped investors protect and grow their share portfolio with a rules-based investing approach that gives them an edge over others. So if you wish to learn more about the team powering our spotlight here at Spotty and how you too can be the tortoise and win the race of investing life, then please go to their website, sharewealthsystems.com, and be sure to read all the relevant information on screen before making any investment decision. Rightio, as we go to air, the all ordinary is up 0.4%. Not many people thought that was going to occur when we woke up this morning. The market did uh, take a quick turn down, but it's obviously rebounded throughout the day. US markets will be closed tonight for the Labor Day a long weekend that they have over there, and possibly investors thinking there's a little bargain hunting to be had, given that nothing is going to scuttle but that this evening. All right then, so it's uh, time to go into questions. As you know, folks, we love our video questions here on Spotty, and I always like to open up with one. This is the third in the trifecta that young Phil uh, sent us uh, over a week ago now, so we're up to the last uh, of those uh, uh, stocks. So thanks very much, Bill, for your contribution to our program over the last few days. Uh, take it away, Mike, and let's play that video. Elio, looking for some insight into the stock pro to code PVP. <coughs> Thing that's really attracted me to this stock is over the last five years it's had revenue growth of 30 percent year on year this year they've posted 46 percent with ebitda up 80 percent i believe um it's so got a market cap of only 140 million and i did note that they don't anticipate growth as strong next year regardless am i missing something with this stock or is the market missing something its price is down unfortunately on the back of that update they're uh, trying to expand out their business but are you able to help young phil in regards to any guidance in regards to pbb pbp sorry sorry was that was that direct at me are you yeah that's right yes yeah, yeah. okay well pbp is probiotic is essentially it's a contract manufacturer of uh of medicines pharmaceuticals uh, a couple of things I think have been going against it. it, it it's a great company. Uh, looking at the stock price, it, as you say, it's had some uh, some retreats, but I do think it's an attractive entry point. Uh, it's Melbourne-based, so things have been difficult for them. Mm. Uh, and I think what has been a, a significant uh, headwind for them is that one of their big their divisions is pr production of cold and flu uh, tablets and medicines. And as we've seen with the COVID uh, virus is that colds and flu have essentially are at record lows at the moment. So that side of their business has been uh, has been somewhat flat and under pressure. Uh, that will change, of course. So I would see Probiotic as a very good company to add uh, to a portfolio again on a medium to long term view because people these days tend to sort of 
trade in the morning, want to buy in the morning and sell in the afternoon. So if you're looking for that sort of opportunity, this isn't the business for you. But if you're happy to put this company away and ride through the uh, through the challenges that COVID uh, has, it's a very, very good business to uh, to have longer term. Yeah, what about you, uh, Brad, and what do you think about that? I mean, you know, essentially, if you could take out the peaks and troughs and the like, it's been sort of going sideways for some time. What sort of levels or what sort of action will you want to see to confirm that you're going to get some strong movement either direction, either northeast or southeast? Yeah, I think um, it has been doing quite well. I mean, it's been on a gradual um, climb since way back in October. It did have a good little run up just prior to that uh, big sell off around Feb, uh, March, but it stuck to that trend line, that rising trend line, which has been quite good. So I think it's got a solid base to work from. What I don't like is just that little push up through around, it's around 212. It has backed off and it's come straight back to the trend line. So I think roughly where it is, if it's going to continue its way up, it's going to hold around the current levels. And I would expect it to start to lift from here. Just being supported, you know, uh, probably three or four times on that trend line, which is, um, it's really good showing. So if we can start to lift here, obviously, you know, throw in a bit of um, increased volume, which is always a good thing and see if it starts to lift back up to 12. If we can kick through that level, then, you know, that 250 zone <coughs> comes into play, which is the highs from back, um, just when it got sold off around 11th of Feb, around the end of Feb, mid-Feb, sorry. So, yeah, so far, so good. All right, then. Okay, so hopefully that provides you some guidance there, Phil, on some key levels to watch. And, uh, yeah, Simon's view that it is a good business, just a few things working against it at the minute. Uh, gentlemen, another stock that's got a few things working against it at the minute is ResMed. Questions from Ben. Um, actually, Brad, and I'll get you to answer this uh, one first. Everyone knows pretty much what uh, ResMed do, the sleep apnea device company. But when it released its uh, latest result, its share price fell, had a little bit of a rebound, and it's now tested and, if I'm not mistaken, breached where that particular low level was. Uh, I loaded up on it on the back of the sell-off because I think it's still a good business. But in regards to the chart, what, sh what else should I be uh, considering? I think I know what you're going to say, but please uh, tell us. <laughs> Hopefully it's something good for you. Um, <laughs> no, it looks, you've got that low that, like you said, it's taken out, it's probably back in um, about 7th of August, it took out that low. But the good thing you know, with stocks like this, they tend to overshoot the mark in one respect and they'll be going searching for more liquidity down a bit lower, which comes in around that 23, give or take, around 23 even, um, which has touched on quite a few times. But to me, that's a solid level. Um, it's probably a bit of overflow from that negativity. Once it got sold off, maybe catching people off guard, had that little bounce and then it's just taken out that low. So I would suspect it's going to get bought up uh, off the level. It's just maybe um, seeking, like I said, seeking a little bit more liquidity. And if you can hold up off that level, with a bit of increased vol um, sorry, volume, of course. And then what I'm always looking for is that high low. The high low starts to come into play. Then you're looking for a bit of a rally to start and probably push up towards those highs around 29. Yeah, what about you, uh, Simon? I mean, you know, many people have uh, had their fingers burnt uh, going against ResMed for all this time. It's been prone to volatility in the past, but its quality seems to uh, keep shining through and then eventually the price recovers. Do you expect a pattern like that to occur now or is there something uh, different possibly at play? No, I don't think there's anything different. I, <clears throat> I was just making some notes. I do think what people <clears throat> tend to forget is the fact that a lot of these businesses are earning a significantly increased uh, amount of their revenue from offshore. Mm. And lots of people like to look at these, uh, at these stocks and say, well, I think that stock's great, it's going to go up. But all of a sudden, the other thing that you need to consider is the currency crosswinds. 
So if you've got a you've got a, a rising Australian dollar that we have seen recently, and there are all sorts of forecasts and predictions uh, saying that the Australian dollar is going to continue to strengthen, well, of course you're going to see some reductions in uh, in not their offshoot, not their their volume revenue, but you're going to see uh, a decrease in the stock price on the back of uh, the currency that's going against you. So. I'd just like to reiterate to, uh, to the viewers and the people who may be listening in that buying an overseas company, there is that, that second leg, which is the stronger Australian dollar. So you can watch the stock price go up and think, wow, this is very positive. What a, what a smart guy I am for having bought this stock. But mm, gee whiz, the, uh, the currency is going the, the wrong way. So it's, it, it's one against the other. And if the, if the uh, currency goes uh, too strongly, you may be in a position where your uh, your investment is going to decrease because of that, even though the company is doing particularly well. Yeah, that's right. Down uh, currently 1% uh, today as we speak. Uh, it was interesting, though, when uh, the uh, Aussie uh, dollar started hitting around the 74-odd US cent mark, that's when a lot of those forecasts came out and said it was heading to 80, which pretty much was the signal that it was going to head to 72, <laughs> which is what it did. <laughs> um, but it's stabilised now, but it's gone up a little bit more. Simon, let's, I'll stick with you because I know you like to look at these future stocks, the stocks uh, uh, that are going to shape our uh, new businesses and new world moving forward. One of them that obviously a lot of people know is Appen, uh, code APX. Mm. It is one of the mm. WAX stocks. Its share price was sold off quite aggressively on the back of its result, which was still quite good. Uh, uh, you know, it hit uh, uh, growth uh, projections and the like, but uh, notwithstanding a market um, which is uh, quite keen to see that top-line revenue growth grow quite aggressively, had taken a little bit of a pessimistic view on it. Although its share price is somewhat stabilised over the last few days. So the question comes from Anonymous on the text machine. Now, always like it if you can attach your name, folks, because we like to keep it personal. Um, he's wondering whether now is the time to consider buying APX again. Of course, we can't give you personal advice, but we can tell you if we like the stock. So Simon, take it away. Uh, well, let's just background this by something that else that's worthwhile looking at. You talk about the wax stocks. And everybody talks about the fang stocks in the US. Well, let's have a look at this. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft and Google, those four companies alone have a market capitalization greater than every country in the rest of the world except for the US and China. So there is room for these for these names to fall, and when they fall, they can fall hard. Apple fell seven or eight percent in a few days last week. Now that's that's not to say that uh, that the stock is is overly expensive, but you do have an, a situation where you you're going to have these ongoing pullbacks in price. So things don't go up in a straight line. Now Apple and I can remember looking at the stock at two and a half, three dollars some time ago and, and thinking, wow, these guys have got such a great business. Mm. But again, it takes time to prove these businesses out and they've grown and grown and grown. I, I do think that uh, the retracement in the share price is, uh, is simply a little bit of two steps forward, one step back. Uh, will they re regain their previous high price? Well, personally, I think that they will. If, is it tomorrow or next week? Well, I don't think anybody can say that because you just don't know uh, what the future direction of the uh, of the big stocks in the US is? Are they going to have a pullback? I think I think certainly they will, uh, because you just look at the sheer numbers and the sheer size of these companies. They're mm. they're Goliaths. They're, 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 the Apple, for example, is 
is just something that has got to be seen to be believed. And you are going to have these pullbacks. So they are the opportunities to, to, to buy the stock. But you just need to be mindful that uh, you, now no, one, no one's able to pick the bottom of the market. And if you can, well, you're probably going to be closer to retiring than we are. <laughs> or you could email us at uh, question at spotty.com.au and I'll see if I give you a job or you come on screen. Uh, but look, <laughs> but Braddon, I mean, look, obviously Appen is one. Um, there's been a whole range of these different stocks that have, you know, ridden a previous very strong wave. The question when we all woke up this morning, I suppose, particularly given events in the US towards the latter part of the week uh, last week, was that there was a bit of steam coming out of those you know, high PE, high growth names. Do you, is there anything in the chart at the moment? I'm not going to ask you to pick tops or bottoms or ring bells or do anything silly like that. But are there any indicators currently on screen that one should be mindful of that may be showing us that there could be a bit of exhaustion or maybe this is just a bit of a pullback rally that's quite sustainable and hopefully that uh, gets sets us up for the next leg up? Yeah, I... I didn't alert on this on Friday because it just it sort of piques your interest. You've got as soon as you get a couple of you know, especially the Nasdaq, we saw that big sell-off on Thursday. Um, it pretty much from open to close, it was straight down. Now mm. that triggers a lot of people to say that's the end of it. We're we're heading south. This is the end of the rally. Yet it really only just went down to support. And then on Friday, it would have taken out a few more people, put a, a few more people on the sidelines. That it, you know, it's just what you call weak hands, I guess, uh, yeah. late into the trend. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean everything's changing. The way it rejected those lows too. So I think it was down nearly, on the NASDAQ I'm talking about here, is down nearly 6%, ended down about 1.2. So it's a really good bounce mid to late session. Um, so if you're looking at that, that's going to drag in a few more people back off the sidelines, maybe who got cleaned out just with that pushback, uh, pushback lower. Uh, back in looking to buy the dip, just continue that trend on and really technically it's it's still holding the trend up there's no key levels have been breached on me for me anyway on the nasdaq um if anything we do get a bit of a pullback if it just starts to grind back up and you get you know price action especially the nasdaq and, and it's the same with say the dow and the s p the big ones start to get a bit of a grind back up you might get a lower high which will clean out a few more people but like i said technically the, the trend is still up it's not breaching any key levels and the market needs to do that I mean, when you get into something like that especially the nasdaq which is well and truly extended uh, to continue on, it needs to put some people back on the sidelines. So it does that with a pullback, resets, and it could go again. So I think it's too early to tell whether the you know, the world's going to cave in again. But um, for now, it's the trend is your friend, I guess. Oh, well, another stock that's had a pretty solid trend since uh, the lows of March, uh, Braddon, is a company by the name of Pacific Current Group. Their code is PAC. The question comes from Joseph. He's been a long-term shareholder in the business. Uh, he's had it since the old days of Treasury Group, it was called. TRG was their code back then for those playing along at home. Um, it is a uh, fund manager. It was a very strong result that it produced. And the board of directors seemed quite optimistic about 2021. Uh, does the chart reflect that optimism in your opinion? Yeah, I think, well, it's come off the lows. I think that was about to, the time the sell-off it got you know, smack right down to about that 380 mark. And since then, it's been just a gradual trend up. It's been quite nice. It's been uh, well supported. Uh, just the last few days, I think, is back on was it, 30, end of August, end of August, basically. Mm. It's had a little pickup. Now, the next level of resistance is going to come in around the 640, 650 mark. Now, so it'll be interesting to see after that trend up whether it can break straight through. If we start to push through there, 
then you're looking to buy in the pullback. But if we start to react off that level without pushing through, that's where you might find there's going to be a bit of profit taking, okay. especially after that leg up. But still, again, the trend is your friend. It's been picking up nicely and it's still looking to continue. It's not breaking any significant level on the downside. So I think um, it's going to be trading up to 650 shortly. All right, then. So I'll stick with wealth managers, uh, Simon, possibly one of the more traditional names that we all know well. It's Pendle Group, code PDL. Question comes from Elaine. Um, has noticed that our friends at Goldman's have uh, slapped a buy recommendation on the stock, uh, which uh, can come as a double-edged sword for those who are keen watchers of their picks over the many years. Um, has a, a small amount of shares, uh, not necessarily the entire superannuation, they're trying to weigh up whether they should uh, believe the trend, which is slowly starting to ease back, or whether they should believe Goldman Sachs. Do you have a view either way on PDL, Simon? Well, I think this, again, I think this is a set that is going to be absolutely, and I'm not talking about this company, but as a sector, you're going to see so much change mm. over the next four to five years. Let's look at it, not necessarily in isolation, but but all of the major banks, essentially ANZ, CBA, National Bank and Westpac, they're one bank. They're not individual banks. They, they all do the same thing. They have been, since the Royal Commission, they have been uh, reversing out of uh, the wealth management business, uh, as, as I suppose you could liken it to an aircraft carrier turn, trying to turn around in Sydney Harbour. It, it takes along these guys to unwind those positions. Let's have a look at what's happening with AMP. Essentially, the whole business is, um, has been put on the block. Will AMP exist in three to four years' time? Mm. My view is it probably won't. Uh, so the pieces will be probably picked off and, and sold off to whether it's the smaller companies like uh, Sequoia that has been on the acquisition trail uh, whether it's the Treasury groups, whether it's the Pendles. I do believe that the Pendles and the Treasuries and the Sequoias are going to end up being the big winners from this because people are going to need advice. You, not everybody can trade from their screen and their, and their laptop in their kitchen table. That's not going to work for, uh, for everybody. So they are going to need advice when we come through this. So these are the businesses, you wouldn't call them boutiques, but you'd call them uh, companies that absolutely understand their clients and they understand what they need to do to grow their businesses, which is very much the opposite of the major banks and, uh, and certainly what we've seen from AMP. So uh, long answer to the question, I do think that all of these wealth managers who are on, on a growth trajectory uh, will continue to remain on that trajectory and one should consider them in, in the portfolio again for a medium to long term, not to sell tomorrow. All right. What about you, Braddon? Uh, who are you going to back? Goldman, Simon, or are you going to back <laughs> that trend? Um, well, for now, it's it, to me, it's just like it's just going sideways. But um, what I do like, the way it was sold off from, say, 920 back in uh, it was a bit March, Feb, I got, got hammered and then it's recovered quite well. But on that pullback, it's been consolidating. So to me, that looks like it's, I mean, even though it's popped out, you know, through the low end of that range around 550, mm -hmm. to me, that consolidation is suggesting it really could start to go. If it could start to lift back up through 602, I guess I'm back in Goldman's for now. <laughs> Excellent. No, good. I like it when we get consensus. Uh, I'll go back to you just uh, quickly, Simon. A stock that used to be 
one of those groundbreaking businesses, but then as time progresses, it just becomes part of the everyday, is Seek. Uh, Seek Limited, code mm. SEK for those playing at home. Obviously, an employment website, not only here in Australia, but around the world as well. Uh, we know that it's now the go-to place. We know the old days of the job classifieds have now gone to God. Um, and obviously, trying to get its education stuff and a few other things up and running. And its price is down today, actually, down around 2%, most likely on the back of that news about the continued lockdown here in Victoria. Mm. Um, do you have a view in regards to Seek? And I suppose... You know what investors should be looking for when you see these businesses that were going to be the future that become the present and then now where does you know what does the future hold for companies like this well if you look at at how a lot of these businesses have been successful they, they say that uh, when your stock company the name of your stock company becomes a verb uh, <laughs> that's when uh, when everybody's going to continue to pile into it so if we look at realestate.com leaders in their market car sales.com leaders in their market seek was one of the early leaders in the market they've continued on that trajectory they will remain on that trajectory but you don't have to be uh, nostradamus to predict that the future for these guys is going to be very much driven by what's in the news on a daily basis with regard to how the victorian government and other governments are dealing with the COVID crisis and mm. It really is, I think, now seek a news-driven story rather than a fundamental-driven story. It will go back to being a fundamental-driven story, but neither you nor I, I don't think, nor anybody else knows what comes out in two weeks or three or four weeks' time. Yes, we are going to get through this, but between now and the time that we, we come through the, the end of the tunnel, how many ups and downs are there along the way? Certainly, there's plenty of them. So Seek, of course, will be in a very, very similar situation because it's it's at that front end of the employment market. But again, it's a great business. So mm. we need to go back and say, OK, well, are these good businesses good businesses or bad businesses? If they're great businesses and you can afford to, to take a longer term view, use these pullbacks as a time to uh, to add to your holdings if you've got a longer term outlook. Okay, so let's talk about longer-term outlooks and reinventing of the whole retail space, Brad. And a stock that's been on a tear northeast quite strongly is a company by the name of Red Bubble. Their code is RBL. For those that don't know, they allow people to do all silly things, and you can stick them on T-shirts and face masks and cushions and all sorts of stuff, um, even without having to pay copyright bills. Although, who knows whether that bites them in the backside one day. Uh, anyways, uh, where was I? Yes, Red uh, RBL. Its price uh, today is up quite strongly, up around 4%. It obviously got sold off on the back of, um, you know, what had been an incredible run-up, bit of nervousness, profit-taking for the use of the vernacular. Operating cash flow positive, expected to be profitable next year. Uh, I think the forecast PE is sitting at around 40. So you are paying above the odds, but nowhere near as nosebleed as someone like an Afterpay, for example, who's another one of those companies that became a verb. Um, but that was back at $10, don't you wish you listened back then? Um, but anyways, uh, you know, th this is the sort of pattern that I think a lot of people do worry about because, you know, making money can be stressful for some and that money management question does become a challenge, especially if they've made some significant gains. And let's face it, Redbubble is a stock that we've spoken about on this program before. Brad and Ron Shamgar 
um, from Tamam Asset Management. It was once one of his stocks to see the light on. It's done incredibly well since then. But what guidance can you provide investors with uh, with the RBL at current levels? Yeah, it's um, I mean, obviously it's it's extended. It's um, gone quite hard. It doesn't mean it can't keep going. I mean, that's the thing you've got to got to realise that um, it's in blue skies, which is a good thing too. So when there's no real resistance levels to be concerned about, then there's sort of no reason why people would want to dive out until they're proven wrong. So at the moment, um, if you're looking at, it's around 363 is this minor support zone and then further down around 310. So as long as it's holding above there and starts to look like it's going to lift and you've got some more volume coming to it, then there's no real reason to um, to dive out just yet. If you're looking to get in, I'm obviously just looking, I'm just looking for those minor pullbacks. If they start to stick, you might want to buy, you know, buy a push through the highs with anticipation that, that trend up is going to continue. Because like I said, there's nothing in the way that's going to be a reason why people would want to sell it. All right then, Brad, and well, we'll come to you shortly. You'll be going first for our stocks to see the light on, where you'll uh, bring to our attention two companies to do a bit of further research on uh, in a moment. Uh, but Simon, before we do that, a stock whose share price looks very similar to that of uh, Redbubble, but definitely a very different business. Uh, the code is BRN and Finelli. It's Brain Chip uh, is the company. It's a very small business involved in AI technologies. You'll see how its share price has spiked and gone incredibly strong on the back of generating $32,000 worth of revenue, I might add. It's not profitable. It's bleeding cash at the minute. Its fundamentals look terrible, but there are definitely some true believers out there. Who's going to win the battle of this one, Simon? Is the technology uh, going to win the battle or will the fundament or will the price eventually revert back to the fundamentals? Is it a stock? that you're familiar with? If uh, you happen to jump on a few of those chat forums, you may very well have come across it. Yeah, we, we were looking at this stock. There was some interesting research around when the stock was about four or five cents. Uh, interestingly, that research was coming out of the US. And mm. what piqued my interest at the time was why US research houses would be writing about a small Australian company uh, with, with a, a tiny market cap that was trading at four or five cents by the name of Brain. And I've, as I said, that was what piqued my interest. I'm thinking, why, is it, why are US fund managers looking at this business? Now, the reason is because most of their, uh, I suppose, their, their contract wins, their, uh, their news has been coming out of America. It's AI is the flavor of the month, of course. Uh, lots of people say, well, how do you get exposure to artificial intelligence via an Australian company? And that's why a lot of people have been buying this. Uh, you and I both know that, um, that the fundamentals always go out the window when, um, when, when people think that a stock's going up. The news flow for this company has been very solid. Even though their revenue is light on, there was an announcement last week that was very positive with regard to uh, uh, a new a new deal that they've done in America. I would suggest that over the last week or two, a significant amount of the buying has been coming from offshore. And that's why the share price has spiked as much as uh, you've seen in the last few weeks. So there are, there are some true believers out there. If they deliver on what they promise, this might be a company that's we're, we're talking about it when the stock's $5. And uh, I don't know whether the stock's going up or down from here, but I certainly do know that there is a lot of people who are placing a lot of faith in, uh, in the product that they have. And you may very well see that 
in the future, it's not an Australian-based company. It's, it's a United States-based business. Yeah, three quarters of a billion dollars. That's putting your money where your mouth is. Uh, obviously, someone is uh, backing this in terms of its uh, market cap and its size. And, and obviously, I was just trying to see if there's been any move on the uh, major shareholders and the like. But the last note I have here was uh, Regal Funds Management that actually just reduced below 5%. So, no, and, um, uh, and uh, Peter Vandermade, who's uh, one of the original founders of the business, actually sold out. So, yep. Probably some more to play out then. But for now, let's bring it back to more immediate issues. Back to you, Brad, to help us see the light on two stocks that we can do our own research on and see whether they align with our investment objectives and tolerance to risk. No problem. So we've got the first one I'm looking at is BCI. It's BCI Minerals Limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that one. It's got, I think it's got a lot of cash you know, from a fundamental point of view. It's cashed up and it's been doing quite well. So I think. It's had a bit of a sell down, uh, which pushed it down to around the 10 cent mark. Uh, that was back in when everything was uh, capitulating. And since then, it's it's been lifted and it's holding quite nicely. And it's pushed through those highs back at around 23 cents. So it's getting up to the new highs, not all time highs, mm. um, but it's looking really nice. I think the way it's built that support around 10, it's sort of pushed up through there, tested it quite a few times. It's held you know, for a third or fourth time now. And then it started to lift and it's lifting you know, recently with some volume. So today is a good little day and it's just uh, taken some heat out of that move from 28 down to around 26. So we start to hold here and we get a bit more volume. <coughs> start to in. I'd expect that to get to, you know, through 28 and just continue its merry way higher. So the other one I've got on, I'm looking at is another small one, MQR. Yep. Let me just grab the code there, just one second. So MQR is Marquee Resources. Let's grab the code, there we go. So it's... The same sort of thing it's had, you know, earlier on, I think it was last year, it had a bit of a, um, a bit of a spike up about June last year, mid last year, and it was doing some work around the 13, 14 cent mark. Since then, it's drifted all the way lower. It pushed down to uh, somewhere around the two cent mark in April this year. So it got knocked down with everything else. But since then, it's lifted. And more recently, it's had a bit of a, a gap up on the 7th of July. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's been supported with some good little, um, you know, pickup in volume around six cents. So it's the last couple of days are starting to look good and it started to take out a little minor high around eight cents. So what I'd be looking for here is that continuation up. If it can get supported on pullbacks with some volume, uh, you might have to look intraday. But for for me, that that key level at five, five and a half, six cents, the way it got supported there and that lifting volume is key for me. So I expected it to go through 10 and start the pressuring up to 13 cents and above. So if we can get a run on, it'd be ideal. Uh, it's got a few levels, it's got to work its way through yet, but uh, for now it's looking really good. So that's MQR and BCI, the two stocks that Braddon has helped us see the light on here on Spotty this afternoon, and Simons will come towards the end of the program. Uh, just a reminder, folks, that if you do have that itch that needs to be scratched, then please send us your questions. You can text us 0480-079-089, or you can email us question at spotty.com.au. If you can't tune in live, never fear, you can send your questions to either of those contact details and they'll be asked in the next show. And a reminder, of course, that if we don't get through all the questions in a particular show, inevitably your question does get covered over the next few days. Uh, Remember to also go to our website, spotty.com.au, if you want to see a past episode that you missed out on. You can also uh, follow your favourite guests on the right-hand side, click on their name, and you will see all the episodes that they appeared in. Uh, Also, follow us on social media, including our new LinkedIn page, so Spotty TV 
is the LinkedIn page. So go there and have a look at that if you want to keep abreast of what's occurring in our world as well as Twitter and Facebook. And yes, the podcasts are available. But another gentle reminder again with Apple, sometimes it's about 24 hours behind because they have this approval process and it takes a little bit longer. So jump on Spotify or Podbean or any other broadcasting channel and chances are you'll get that stream to you a lot sooner. Also now a word from our sponsor, ShareWealth Systems. Now, if you've taken the chance to go have a look at their new website, uh, ShareWealth Systems has basically wanted to make a key message uh, known to everyone that comes across their page. And that is to be successful in investing, we need to think of it as a marathon and not the sprint like many speculators may be telling you at the moment. We need to be the tortoise in order to win the race of investing life, not the hare. And it's something that ShareWealth Systems have been doing now for over 25 years. So please visit their website, sharewealthsystems.com, to have a look at all the content on their new website. And remember, those ShareWealth Systems are a proud holder of an Australian Financial Services Licence. If you wish to speak to anyone on a personal level about any of that content, you still need to do so with an advisor that's licensed to do so. So make sure you read all that information carefully. And yes, past performance is no indicator of future performance, but you don't end up in this game for over two decades by accident. Luck is not a long-term investment strategy. All right then, so let's go back and have a look at what the market's currently doing at the moment. Hopefully that positivity continues to remain. Uh, just having a look there, looks like we've eased off a little bit since when we uh, came on. Yeah, we have, unfortunately. The All Ordinary is now only up 0.1%. So, gentlemen, I need you to pick up your game in order to boost the positivity. And remember, folks, send us your questions in now because we do have enough time to take some more questions. So if there's a stock that you want to know about, please, by all means, uh, do so. Uh, Simon. Now, this is a, an old one in the past for me. It's a company by the name of Danarco, DNA. Mm, uh, mm. Look, obviously, there's been a lot of hype around the whole gambling sector in recent times. We know the great aristocrat. Uh, PointsBet, PBH, they went to the moon on the back of signing the deal with NBC and the like. But not all of them uh, make hay while the sun's shining. And unfortunately, DNA's been one of them. Uh, are you able to provide any insights for Greg, who's uh, just asking about this stock? Well, this is a company that essentially runs casinos and <clears throat> gambling operations in Cambodia and Vietnam. And both of their properties, uh, from what I can recall, were very heavily reliant on, uh, on traffic from China. Uh, certainly we've seen that market under significant pressure. Uh, it's not a business that I would be uh, investing in or suggesting that anybody invest in personally. Uh, I think it's a long way to, to go and check out how your investment's going. And, and I think both those jurisdictions would be uh, uh, fairly, uh, fairly challenging to, uh, to visit at this particular point in time. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you could probably look to, uh, look to get anything you need at either of those places when you finally get there, but uh, not destinations <laughs> for me. No, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I remember um, of the vintage as you are when Danarco's uh, product was basically the old on the old Teletext when you'd be able to jump on the old TAB on your TV at home and put your uh, money on the fifth of Caulfield and then they branched out into the casinos. But of course, that has been a little bit more challenging for them. Uh, yeah, I think I'd wait to see what announcement they're going to do next before committing any coin. Uh, let's talk about thematic investing, though, Braddon. You know, obviously, post the arrival of COVID, some people turn, you know, what was a past business into a new opportunity. We saw a lot of companies pivot into 
things like hand, hand sanitizer, Zuno's one of those, ZNO. But an interesting little business that I must admit I'd never heard of before someone actually uh, asked it. Who was the person that asked it? It was Craig, actually. Thank you, Craig, for your contribution and always uh, bringing new stocks to my attention. VIP Gloves is the name. The code is VIP. Now, um, his uh, assertion uh, is that uh, the stock looks quite undervalued at the moment, given the high demand for their product on the back of COVID-19, given the company makes gloves. All right, I'll talk a bit about that in a moment, but in regards to the share price trend, what's that sort of pattern telling you? Because I've seen it many times before, and my limited tech knowledge, tech analysis knowledge, is that it usually doesn't end up all that great. Yeah, looking at that, it's had obviously that big spike up on the, was it the 21st of April, and then mm. pretty much as fast as it went up, it went straight back down again. It's been a lot of time sitting around three, three and a half cents, and it's recently started to lift. So that lift off that zone around three and a half cents has been with some volume, which is yeah you know, not bad. But the fact that it's got back up, it got nowhere near those highs the second time around at around 21 and a half cents, and it's been backing off since. And that was uh, 10th of August. I think that high was made. Been backing off since. I'd sort of suggest that it's whether or not it's just one of those stocks that's been built up and hype, I don't know. It has got some volume in there, but the problem is, you know, as we're heading down, it needs to start putting in a base. And I think it would, if it goes all the way back down to three and a half cents, it's not, not such a great thing. It needs to put in some sort of base with some volume around eight cents, roughly where it is now, to get me committed. And if it starts to lift from there, then obviously you're just looking for that higher low to build off. And then you're looking for a run up towards 21 and a half. But if it starts retracing all of that run up from three and a half cents to you know, 20, 21, 22, it's not such a good sign as people are just, um, it's not going anywhere. They're not happy with it and they're just bailing on their volume. Yeah, look, I mean, they've had a capital raising recently. They're investing in a production plant in Malaysia, Simon. I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of companies that have been able to access capital who have this theme and it's not surprising given that you would expect at least the demand for these products to last for some time. Oh, and also it's not like these company, this company, sorry, has just appeared in this. I mean, they changed from their old name Voltage back towards the end of 2018. So they haven't, you know, just turned up as a glove company. They sort of made that decision already some time ago. This has probably heightened the pace of uh, uh, their strategic planning, as it were. Um, are you familiar with the business or is there another COVID-related business that maybe investors might want to just have a bit of a look at? Well, interestingly, Elio, if you go back uh, a little bit of time, uh, when COVID first hit, you couldn't buy a mask for love nor money. There were mm. guys going down to hardware stores trying to buy masks to to uh, to, to sell. It was a little bit like the, um, the the people trying to stockpile toilet paper. It was just <laughs> it was just ridiculous and bizarre that that people would be uh, would be expecting that there was not going to be any more supply of these things. And where I'm going with this is that very similar to the masks, and you can get a mask anywhere these days. You can go down to, uh, you can probably get one from the corner store if, uh, if you're allowed to go there. But what, uh, <clears throat> what we've seen is that the supply lines have, coming out of China have changed very, very radically and very, very quickly. So they've turned around uh, a manufacturing uh, business that, uh, that, that couldn't make masks into, into businesses that can make masks. Uh, I think that you'll find that, um, that this, the glove business is very, very similar there. At the beginning, there was probably a shortage of gloves, uh, mm. but all of a sudden, supply then does start to meet demand. 
uh, and you have that equation uh, flip quite quickly. Now, this is a business that's, uh, that, that's located in Australia, but its manufacturing plants are both in Malaysia. Uh, certainly, it's a, um, it, it's a challenging environment to go and do a company visit to the manufacturing plants at the moment. So that might slow a few of the, uh, of the fund managers up as well. They, there may very well be people who say, well, this sounds like a great business. I'll go and take a look at how they're doing, uh, what they're doing. Let's go and have a look at the manufacturing, the supply, etc. But it's just not that easy anymore. So I would be very, very cautious. I'm not saying anything bad about the company. I'm just saying that uh, uh, that there is a, a significantly increased supply and, it, and it's harder to go and visit the premises and see exactly how well they're doing. All right. Well, let's talk about then another one that maybe we need to be cautious on given well, not their behaviour, but definitely previous incumbents that were involved in this space. The company is Atomos. Uh, the code is AMS. Uh, the question comes from Shane. Thank you, Shane, um, who just basically wants to hear our view in regards to the stock. So AMS is the code. It's involved in video production stuff. And the reason why I was talking about predecessors was because of the old biggin. And the reason why that comes to mind is because last week we heard Another one of the classics in that whole big and run was Get Swift, who have made the decision to move themselves off the ASX and join the Toronto Neo Exchange, which is a very illiquid business, a liquid exchange, and really just a, a last gasp to get away from the eyes of proper regulation. So, you know, and, and big and unfortunately went broke. Now, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen with Atomos, uh, but obviously it's in for a bit of a challenging situation. I mean, its revenues are sitting at around $44 million uh, uh, if I saw, which is at least pleasing, but it was a reduction on the previous year. Is it a stock that you're familiar with, uh, Simon, AMS? If not, that's fine. I've got Braddon to uh, cover this one too. Not, not really, but I, I, I do think it's got, um, it's got some significant potential. But looking at the, uh, the market, the, the stock's come from $1.80, it went down to, to $0.30, cents, and now it's back up to 80 So there's certainly some volatility there for the... Uh, uh, for, the, for the punters, if if that's what they're looking for, but it's not a business that I'm familiar with from mm. a fundamental point of view at all. No, that's fine. So, Brad, and we'll come to you soon, Simon, for your two stocks to watch before the end of the show, so uh, you can uh, have a quick squiz at those. But before we do that, Brad, and let's talk about AMS quickly. It did have that pullback in March, as everyone did. Uh, rebounded, sort of been tracking sideways, and recent price action would suggest that it's broken up from that previous lower high that it was at. So is this now enough to, for those you know, who want to follow the, the breakouts, as it were? Is there enough to convince you that maybe this can stick or is it something they still need to be a little bit more cautious on? No, I kind of like that. The first glance at it was yep. positive. So mm. I see that it's, you know, from when it started, it's drifted high and it got all the way, like you said, to 180 or so. Once it got hit, there's a lot of volume, well, not a lot of volume, but there's a lot of people that would want out, you know, that fear-driven market when it got smacked down to, um, yeah, it was around that 30, 25 cent mark. Uh, but since then, it's put in a lot of work. So it had that little bounce and it's, it's just popped through a key level around 70 cents. It sort of popped up there and then had a pullback to 42, which is well supported, which is a really good sign too. And you can see the last little run up uh, just through 70, which broke through 70, uh, was a bit of extra volume. So I like the way it was supported off 42, which is a good sign. Um, it's sort of at that key level now where you've got a bit of resistance right where it is now. So if it starts lifting from here, I think it's a really good sign 
through the fact that it's built a, a nice base uh, and it spent some time being supported too from you know, say about mid-April, start of April to where we are now and it's just starting to lift now. So we're coming out the other end, I would say, um, and it's looking quite good from here. Yeah, I think there's uh, that breakout does look uh, pretty optimistic. You just got to keep an eye on those fun. Yeah, got to keep an eye on those fundamentals. And as always, as I'm sure you'll uh, you educate every one of your clients uh, to keep your uh, stops uh, nice and close, and more importantly, known when you are yeah. going to protect your capital. Uh, Beth has squeezed in a question just before the bell, and and oh, thank you, Marcella, too, for putting your name to that previous text. Much appreciated. But Beth has said, I can't believe no one's actually asked about CSL yet. That's the point, folks. Don't take it for granted. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Make sure you ask the question yourself. Uh, the announcement today, uh, Brad, and just in case you don't know, that it's basically signed the agreement to deliver whatever uh, COVID-19 vaccine does eventually get developed. They will actually manufacture it, produce it, and distribute it. Now, it's really a no-brainer because obviously CSL is the only one that could do it at a capacity and size that would meet the needs of what you know, a mass immunisation program like that could do. Um, so I don't need to talk to Simon about the fundamentals because everyone loves this one, premium large cap business on the exchange. But in regards to its chart action, what's your view in regards to CSL? Yeah, I think it's just just above a key level around that 272, uh, well, 272 mark. And it's been rejecting there quite a few times. And the way it did that in um, uh, about March, is a good sign for me the way it's going to be taken note of and i think buyers will be looking for that level if it does get down there we're going to buy it up off there now if it starts to lift off that level considering it's such a, such a strong level then you, you're going to get people start to chase it and you're going to start mm -hmm. to hold some higher levels and i would suggest it's going to start targeting you know 317 320 um then potentially from there if it gets a good run on it's going to go into new highs i would, I would expect on the back of that news too Okay, then. No, and look, from a fundamental perspective, it's an impeccable business and uh, a key uh, holding for many long-term portfolios. All right, Simon, it's time for you to step up to the plate to bring us home in the last innings to shine the light on two stocks that we can go toddle off on and uh, uh, do our own research and see whether it aligns with our risk objectives, tolerance and uh, investment needs. Of course, you've got a bit of a track record, which is a stellar, so, which is stellar, so no pressure here. What two companies would you like to put to the table today? Actually, two companies that I'm going to mention today make money, which was oh, somewhat success. of a surprise. That's they, a win. <laughs> they got revenue. They've got profits. Uh, fully franked dividends. Uh, uh, you are an old battle axe, aren't you, at heart? Rightio, yeah, what are the two companies I, then, mate? I, I thought I'd better, better mention a couple of, uh, of fundamental businesses. Well, the first one is, uh, is one which I know that um, uh, you're aware of from a previous life, which is MyNetPhone. Yep. Uh, really good guys. You know, they uh, the, the business is, it's, it's the trendy thing to say, they're in the voice, business, voice, data, cloud. They provide their services to business, residences, governments. Uh, the business is, uh, is owned and controlled by, in a significant part by the founders. They're the yeah, major really shareholders. But really good, straight, solid guys. And and it's one could do much worse than aligning yourself with uh, investors uh, and founders who have such a significant interest in the business and the outlook. They've just mm -hmm. gone ex-dividend, uh, so people won't get the chance to um, to buy that for for the dividend this dividend. But there'll be another one, I'm sure. So that's the first one, which is a real business and a good way to plug into uh, the, the future, whether it's you know, whether it's a next DC type of future or an Amazon type future. The second one is uh, is a company called Sequoia, which I, I mentioned briefly 
during the show. Now, this is a small uh, financial advisory business that uh, uh, that's on the growth trail at the moment. And I really do think with a, a market cap of around 30 or $40 million, uh, this is a business that's profitable that also pays a dividend. Uh, I think the growth for these fellows will be uh, in the acquisition of, uh, of the bits that are going to come across from whether it's AMP or whether it's the major banks. And they will go on to build more than a boutique business in financial planning. And I think that these guys will be one to watch in the future. Uh, again, the major shareholders are significant, um, have significant skin in the game. And, uh, and that's always something that's very, very pleasing to see when you're aligned with those uh, type of investors. Yeah, so Sequoia is SEQ for those playing along at home. And uh, my net phone, which uh, you're showing your age here, it's now MNF Group, uh, Simon. Uh, code is MNF there. And uh, yeah, both uh, both businesses actually strong ownership alignment, which for those in the small and mid-cap area is something you definitely want to see. Well, that's all we have time for today, folks. So first and foremost, thank you, Simon Bond from Morgan's Financial for your contribution in our positive post-COVID ISO episode today. Thank you, Leo. And Brennan Gardner from The Negatives, who wants us all to stay indoors and just look at stock charts all day, specifically on Trade Direct 365. Remember, go to their website to see that special little rebate deal that they've got for spotty viewers. It'll be right on the front page. You can't miss it. Braddon, thanks so much for your time and your kind offer. Thanks, mate. See you soon. And tomorrow, well, we've got a plucky chook in Scott Phillips uh, from The Motley Fool turning up and the Karma Zen Nick Raj from The Chartist to answer your calls and questions live on air. And remember, if you can't tune in live, send your questions in early and we'll make sure we answer them on air. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, Sharewell Systems. And remember, go to their website, sharewellsystems.com to see the new content there and how they help investors every day. Thanks, Ticker, for letting us take an hour of prime time. Thanks, Mike, as always, for pushing the right buttons. Stay tuned for the Ben Robin Robbo Show, which is coming up next. And until tomorrow, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty, and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Bring it on. Stream us live on the Ticker app, Apple TV, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and tickertv.com.au. Ticker, streaming news now.